0: What if someone told you there isn't just one world? What if they told you that your reality isn't the only one? What if they said that there are infinite realities, infinite Earths, infinite versions of yourself, all just a little bit different? What if they gave you the chance to explore them all? Welcome to Otherware, and welcome to our heroes.
1: Feedback, aka Aaron Riley, former supercoach and social media celebrity, drifts in from Rancho Paseo Prime where he's trying to step out from under his own shadow and forge a new future.
2: Juniper Junie Haraway, an inexperienced sorceress with explosive magic, drifts in from Rancho Pasillo Prime, where the loss of her grandfather and his magical expertise makes spell slinging as the superhero mystic all the more challenging.
3: Catherine Cat Slain II, a seasoned dimension traveler and daughter of the supervillain Transition, Drifts in from Dimension 78341, Arcadia, an apocalyptic world being overtaken by supervillains.
4: Phantom, formerly Noah Wilson, the ghost-like dimensional traveler drifts in from Dimension 16209, a beautiful nature's paradise that evolved from a terrible world disaster.
5: Quintessential Hero, the naturally blue-haired not-a-protagonist, drifts in from Rancho Paseo Prime. A world where he's trying to live a normal life surrounded by far too many heroes, villains, and expectations.
0: A glowing ribbon of white light glows against a velvet-black background. It curves, undulates in soft waves, bright in the center, pale and fuzzy at the edges. Come closer. Focus on the brilliant center of the ribbon. Closer. Colors begin to emerge to distinguish themselves from the white light. Hints at first flickers in the peripheral vision. Closer still. The colors are stronger now, lines of them, smaller ribbons all twisting together, winding over and around each other, their individual hues visible but still blending together, still shading into white. Closer. The colors separate, define. Each ribbon is unique now, its own band of color turning and weaving around the others without touching, intertwined but separate, moving nearer or farther from one another but never, never coming together. An infinite chromatic range so very close and so very alone. Closer. A single band stands out. It's a sort of muddy greenish brown with occasional sparkles the color of new leaves. And closer still. The color expands. And then it is all around, hazy and transparent, like flying through deep sea clouds through marine smog. And then it's gone. And there's only the washed out blue of the hot cloudless sky and the grays and browns of the concrete and asphalt city underneath it. Rancho Paseo, California. With its strip malls and housing tracts and sprawling downtown where the tallest building is only 10 stories, Rancho Paseo is a different kind of city attracting a different kind of hero. Here, they don't brood through a rainy night to knock out villains in dumpster-filled alleys or engage in rooftop banter with their enemies while the pitiless moon watches impassively. This is the Golden State, and if people here know anything, it's how to look good. In Rancho, you're more likely to run into the Sterling-Starling front row center at the latest off-Broadway production, or Ethereal Spectre brunching at a neat little farm-to-table bistro that opened down on Del Paso. Trident patrols the beaches while working on his tan, and Dr. Nuclear sometimes runs shows for kids at the Discovery Museum. And it's not just their images. California just simply attracts a different breed of hero and a villain. Early summer, present day. So the scene that we're opening on, it looks from the air like a high school. You're looking down into this panel of a big high school thing with like the track and grass field off to one side of it. Except in the center of the running track, there looks to be what's like a shooting gallery that's been set up. Targets and body forms, as well as a bunch of boxes that are covered with tarps. There is a group of people in, they can't be school uniforms, they're far too bright colored, young people and older people all wearing masks, as, and the next panel pulls in closer so you can actually see what you're looking at. And it seems to be a gathering of teens and adults in superhero costumes that are all facing forward looking at two people up on a sort of little raised dais. There's a banner in front of the dais that says, sidekicks, aegis training session. The next panel pulls on Loosehead Ochoa is going to tell us what we're doing here today.
5: Oh Well, howdy, y'all. This here is what we call the playground. Uh, this is a place for y'all to let loose a little bit with y'all powers. Don't worry, you ain't gonna hurt a fly in here. I promise.
0: For a minute, there's just a scene of the crowd. And then the next thing we see is one hero standing alone. Mystic, describe what you look like here.
2: All right. So she's got her super suit on, which is pretty colorful, but the main part of the chest is gray and one of her pant legs is gray, but the other is actually like a lavender purple. And she's also got a little chunk of purple going up the opposite side of her chest. Her arms have some banded pieces that have a teal blue, and you can also see that there's cutouts on the legs that are also that same color. She's got also kind of eccentrically colored hair that's actually pulled up into pigtails. Most of her hair that is close to her head is black, but she has bangs pretty straight cut across her forehead that go pretty much down to her eye line, and two little chunks of hair that come up either side of her face to frame it and the hair as it goes into the ponytails is actually a bright green. Maybe not bright, like a darker, like kind of like a pine green. And she's got a little mask over her eyes. It doesn't really do much to conceal her identity. She also changes her hair color frequently, so her super suit isn't so much to hide her identity, but she doesn't really talk to many people anyway, so she's not too worried about conflicts between her super identity and her private life.
0: And for the record here, we're operating under super comic rules where you put on a mask and you part your hair the other way. No one can tell who you are. Exactly. That's the rules that I play this universe under. You put your mask on and you're invisible.
3: Take off your glasses and no one will recognize you.
2: Exactly. You're a
0: completely different person.
2: Right. So her face mask is basically a pair of glasses, except it's not shaped like glasses. It's a metal band that covers from across her face. And it's got a like metallic sheet on it that matches the blues and greens and purples of her super suit.
0: And standing next to her just a little bit back is the American man. Square jawed, blonde haired, six foot something tall. He's wearing a very classic super suit. It should be in red, white, and blue, but he's actually wearing like yellows and gold. He's the golden state Superman. This is Vanguard, who is one of the most prominent and powerful heroes in Rancho Paseo. He's been sort of out of the public eye for a little while. He actually went through a bit of a, a break. Just needed some rest for himself is what they're saying. But he is Aegis's most powerful, most notable hero. And he's actually made a big splash by taking on a mentoring role with sidekicks, which is the super big brother, big sister pair-up team. He has taken on this new hero, a mystic as his sidekick, I guess. The panel looks on them for the camera looks on them for just a little while and then goes back to the presentation where uh, Ochoa is standing. And next to him is one of Aegis's recruitment heroes, Shadowstar. They're here today to show off, as he said, what can be done. So first
5: up, we will have our resident recruitment officer, Shadowstar. We'll be using him to show off what it is that you can do here. So we have training dummies, a couple of a uh, simpler bots that will fight back if you want them to and we'll try to see show off what it is that the the playground can do for you.
0: So Oshoa steps back and you see Shadowstar with what, what kind of training equipment would Shadowstar want to use here to show off what he can do and what Aegis can provide?
1: Well uh he has light negation power so he probably has like a flashbang in his hand and he's just like Hi everybody, how you doing? I'm Shadow Star. I'm uh, here to show you some of what we can do here in the playground. Now I want you all to cover your ears, but don't worry about covering your eyes. He pulls the pin out of the flashbang, holds it in his hand, tosses it up, holds it in his hand, and it just kind of, there's a loud pop, but it looks almost like the light gets caught in a little sphere, and then doesn't expand or really flash, and he just kind of lets it drop, just sends his hands out. Ta-da everybody!
0: There are gasps and then rounds of applause. The camera swings over to another hero pair. This is where Remix and MX Impossible are standing. Tell me a little bit about what they look like and how they react to this. MX Impossible,
3: they're wearing a uh, large set of headphones on my head and have sort of like a uh, cyberpunky DJ look going on. As a, a flashbang goes off, they wince just sort of like take a step back and rub up the side of. One of our headphones. Hi, uh, you, you can call me Mix. I don't need to use a full title, just Mix. Mix is fine. Mix impossible for being formal. Uh, I mentioned it to make sound waves, so I hear everything you're doing. And uh, oh, uh, you need to fix your coffee pot. Down a level, it's not sounding great. You should probably also clean it for once.
0: Somebody in the back of the crowd has been whispering and they clap their hands over their mouth, just like they've been saying something bad. But the the camera then swings back to where Remix is standing, who is one of the teens that's also part of this sidekicks program.
4: Remix is a young girl. She's wearing a really big jacket, like really big sunglasses, kind of whipped up jeans. Not really a uniform, but she calls it that because... She doesn't care what people think. She has a microphone in her hand, which is attached to this box that's on her hip. And she's like, yo, what's up? I'm Remix. Real name is Angel Ibarra. But you can just call me Remix.
3: Remix. Remix. Oh, shit. Don't tell them your real name. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. It's super not cool.
1: Shadowstar from the back just kind of sighs. He's like, looks over. Well, this
5: is off to a just... Stellar start, eh, boss?
4: I'm sorry, I messed up. That was my, that's my B. <laughs> okay.
5: We'll make sure we put Remix and a little bit more uh, uh, training, right? Mix Impossible? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Definitely, definitely look into that.
0: There's a little bit of chatter across the group and then you sort of split all off to go to different things. Vanguard turns to Mystic and looks at her. Do you think you're ready to try some of this training exercises? I know you'd been a little concerned about control.
2: I mean, there's a huge crowd here. What if I backfire and, and don't aim properly?
0: He uh, sort of doesn't crouch down, but sort of leans over, claps his hand on your shoulder. Don't worry. I know you'll do well. We've been working off together after all, haven't we?
2: Yeah, I'll try.
0: He's got that just, you can't say no to this face. Like, I am trustworthy. But if people are really paying close attention, they can see the eyes under the mask are a little bit concerned. What would you like to to try? They they do have protective fields here. I would suggest you take on one of the training dummies that can work with you, that can, can respond to your actions.
2: Yeah, let's go for the dummy simulation.
0: So he walks you over to this space It's one of the places that was covered with a tarp. And when you take the tarp off, it looks like a planetarium projector. And when he presses the button on it, suddenly a construct of light comes out and is broadcast uh, next to it so you can interact with it. It's just standing there for a minute. All right. What did we talk about last time? Your powers, how are you keeping them controlled now?
2: I'm just trying my best to focus and not pay attention to anything else around me and just my target.
0: Good. Focus is wonderful. Excellent lesson to have learned. While you're lining up yourself to sort of get training, there's a shot of Vanguard sort of directing the other groups away, giving you a little bit of space. He does it very unobtrusively, but when he's done, you're standing in a very large, cleared circle. This has attracted the attention, though, of both Ochoa and Shadowstar, who have come over and are sort of standing by him watching you.
5: Well, Mystic, right? I heard a little bit about about you. So I- I'm gonna turn the protective field up to eleven. Um don't ask why it goes to eleven, it's kinda weird. There's a whole story behind it. But uh don't worry about a thing.
2: Okay. Okay, so um I'm gonna roll burn. So I rolled a nine to charge my burn. So um so I still get to hold three but I'm gonna mark a condition. Everyone is watching me. I'm going to mark insecure. And so when you see her charging this burn, you can see that her hands have started to glow kind of a white, yellowy light. Uh, They're kind of sparkling a little bit as she raises up her hands in front of her to start to grab the training dummy. With her powers, I'm going to use the burn snatch which is spend one burn to use your powers to seize any one object up to the size of the person from someone within view. I'm just going to pick up the whole training dummy.
0: It's a hard light construct, so it's, it's just sort of standing there in front of you. It hasn't actually activated its first program yet. It's kind of waiting for you to make an aggressive action so it can respond to you.
2: So I think her aggressive action is, is to actually lift it up with her powers.
0: Nice. So basically magic levitate with sparkly lights?
2: Yes, So if we call that a snatch, she'll be using up one of her burn and she'll still have two left.
0: Perfect. So what everyone sees is the the brilliant lights of her powers. And then all of a sudden, this training demi is 50 feet up in the air, which is right at the edge of what that hard light projector can do. It looks like it would probably go higher if it could. And Vanguard puts his hands on his hips. Well done. And waits for you to do something else. Oh, damn. Yeah, the people around you, they had been looking a little, kind of watching, but all of a sudden there's sparkles and things happening. You have all eyes on you now. Everybody there is watching.
5: I knew that you could do this. So tell you what, I'm gonna turn on the aggression. Just leave it at maybe a two and uh, you just just have fun in there.
0: And as soon as he says that, the the dummy does a flip in midair and dives straight down toward you. It's like he's falling out of the sky at you with his fist ready to punch you in the face. Kick his ass, kid.
2: So in response to that, as it's falling towards her, she's going to bring up a move called Moat, which is a barrier that will hold back threats as long as you keep your attention on it. So what that is, it's a wall of magical energy that is see-through. I think this one's going to be like a nice teal color to try to block it from hitting her. And she's got her hands up now, and she's let go of holding it.
0: Nice. So there's a dome of of light that emerges over you, and the The training construct hurdles at it and actually smashes flat into it and just explodes into a little mo- a, a cloud of little light motes that drift away and then recoalesce about uh, 10 or 12 feet from you all standing on the ground again. And Vanguard, again, he's doing a slow, slow applause. Exactly right. You're just doing me proud here. Keep going.
2: Okay, so is it is the is it going to advance on her again, or? It actually, is, if a tr- if a training construct could be said to look apprehensive, it looks
0: apprehensive. Um, it's kind of actually holding back. It's aggression aggression two here. So, uh, the people watching you though have actually moved in closer again. Vanguard's attention is all focused on you. So this crowd has has come closer and is a circle more around you now.
2: Okay, so I think now she's going to just try to blast it with her powers. It's gonna be a magic fireball type thing coming out from her, where she's gonna first, she's gonna pull her hands away from the moat and it's gonna disappear. And then she's going to put her hands together and pull them apart with a glowing ball of light between them that she's gonna push at the dummy.
0: Wonderful. Just describe what this the the dummy, as soon as you start taking your action, it does start to move forward toward you. It's got two what looks like sticks made out of light in its hands that it's got over its head to attack you. But you hit it before it has a chance to do anything. Uh, Tell me what it looks like when you just explode this thing.
2: Right. So I think when the ball hits it, it's going to spread across the dummy and the dummy will start to disappear as the magic energy folds around it.
0: Nice. So it gets eaten away little bit by little bit until it just sort of drifts like ash through the air. And now everyone applauds. You're just getting a rousing round of applause from everyone watching you. Uh, The camera pans over to where Remix is standing Ah, uh, I think Remix
4: is, like, really excited, like, Hell yeah! That's so cool! Think I could do that?
3: Hmm, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Just, uh, some, uh, some, uh, some gossip up on two levels up. I, I
5: love that Mix Impossible can hear everything and doesn't.
4: <laughs> Come on! That
0: was real loud. you have to admit.
5: It was very loud.
0: They drift away. The, the, the attention goes away from the crowd again. They go back to what they're doing because it seems like the show is over for a little while. And uh, Vanguard turns back to you, Mystic. I told you you could do it. See, are, are you more confident now?
2: I can't let slip. Anytime I let slip, someone could get hurt.
0: I, I understand. And he sort of, uh, he has he, he likes that shoulder, that like reassuring shoulder grab. That's like his gesture. So he, he sort of leads you over to the side, looking back over his shoulder at Lieutenant Ochoa and where Shadowstar are and takes you far away from them, like across the training yard. I know we're coming up on the anniversary of your grandfather's disappearance. How are you handling it?
2: I mean, I've spent all of my teenage years without him. And, you know, I still, whenever I think about him, I just think about how if I could have known that he had powers and if he could have been around long enough to talk to me about them after I developed mine, I think my adolescence would have been a lot different.
0: He nods. I understand. It's a difficult burden we bear. and We bear it alone. But you are a hero. Never forget that. Thank you. Of course. That's why we're working together. I know it's difficult not having someone around, and I don't have the kind of powers you do. But you can't be afraid all the time, can you, Mystic?
2: I mean, that's why I'm here, right? To try to get as much control as I can. Exactly. But you still hold back.
0: Control is wonderful. But you do need to be willing to to stretch yourself. We've been working together for six months now, and I haven't seen you go more than maybe a two.
2: Well, I'm scared to see what ten looks like. This is the place to try it. He
0: um sort of beckons to the the Aegis agents. I know you don't want them to know that you hurt people. I know that's a secret that we share only. But until you see how hard you can hit, you're always going to be afraid of maybe going too far this is a place to try it and ages can support you have you thought about joining them when you're adult, older i've thought about it i
2: still don't have to decide now right
0: no 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 uh you're what 16 now they don't take anyone till the age of majority but we do have all of these this this equipment but I, i'm not here to sell you on uh, the agency of course why don't we try something new and he again he, the the Agents have gotten closer. Uh, ah, Lieutenant Ochoa, we need something a little harder than a two.
5: I think I can accommodate. Luckily, I am here to sell you on Aegis. So let's head on over. We got this new system. The, the IT people, they, they call it a, a kaiju. Well,
1: I just call it Godzilla because that's basically what it is. I don't know why you got to use fancy words for it.
5: Well, uh, that's copyrighted or something, but whatever. Let, let's head on over. There's a big red button uh, and we'll press it when you're ready.
0: So he leads you to the other side of the field where, funnily enough, there's a totally not at all Godzilla uh, standing there. Um.
5: Legally distinct from Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gadbilla.
0: <laughs> it actually hadn't shown up in any of the, the, the shots before this. And it's, uh, there's a giant red button. There's a little black button next to it. When the little black button's pressed, it is when it has appeared. Apparently it was under some sort of cloaking field because Aegis it, it has that now. Uh, but there's a giant Godzilla ready for, to fight you. This is definitely not a two.
1: I mean, come on, you're Vanguard's pet project. You got this, right? Of course you do. I'm going to step back.
0: No, uh, Vanguard turns to Shadowstar. You,
2: you have confidence. We've worked
0: together long enough, haven't we? I'm sure she can handle it.
1: Yeah, of course she can
0: handle it. I'm just gonna step out of stomping range.
2: So is this object a robot or is it also a hard light projection?
0: This is a real thing. This is like a, a giant roboty thing. Okay. <laughs> it actually exists. It's actually a physically you can see the, the where it's sunk into the ground of this track. It's a good foot deep.
2: How tall is it? Take it as big as you want in your head. Taller than a human person.
0: Yes, it's like two stories tall. It's tall. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> We're talking monster here, but it's waiting for you. And uh, Vanguard is right there. He's actually got his fists out now. And he actually, one of his powers, the way it manifests when he's using his super strength is he gets sort of a glowing aura around the thing he's going to super strength. So his fists are actually glowing a light a, a light gold right now. But he's behind you out of your your rich, like uh, peripheral vision.
2: Uh, okay. And you can see that she's flexing her fingers and they're lighting up just like a little bit very briefly. Okay.
5: All right. I'm going to count down from three and then I'm going to step over
0: there. All right. So three, two, one. This is not anything you're going to roll. Just tell me what happened. What do you do?
2: Okay. I think she's going to do a similar thing that she did before, where she's going to make the light balls between her two hands. But she's going to pull her arms away so that they're she's basically T-posing behind it maybe a little bit looser than that. And so it's going to be a a large flash of light around her that she is going to generate for like a few seconds and then she's going to just hurl it forward at the robot.
0: Nice. I I lied. I Actually, I'm going to have you roll, but I'm going to have you roll directly engage
2: for this. So she rolled an eight.
0: So on a seven to nine, you pick one of the options from that list there. That list being resist or avoid their blows, take something, create an opportunity, impress, surprise, or frighten.
2: I think she's going to, let's say, impress, surprise, or frighten this robot. (laughs) It's less the robot that's impressed, surprised, or frightened, more everyone else. They had been taking care of their own
0: business, doing training, little punches, lots of this happening. And then you pull back and all of a sudden there's a Godzilla and a little crowd of people fighting who are all looking up at it. And then the Godzilla is you're you throwing a ball of light at it, or
2: yes, so like I think it's gonna turn towards to into like a fireball like as it gets closer to the thing
0: awesome, so this Godzilla is hit in the chest with this splash of flame, and for a second it looks like nothing's gonna happen, and then the Godzilla starts to glow, starts to turn orange and red, and get those little cracky lines, and that's when Vanguard acts and. Everyone get down and he flies forward, grabs the Godzilla and takes it up into the sky where it explodes like a firework, kind of raining down little drops of ash on everybody. So y- you're definitely impressed, surprised and frightened.
1: Well, hot damn, kid. That's a hell of a light show. You uh, you need a job?
2: Uh, I'm a kid.
1: I'm sorry. That's a little soon.
2: This is what I was asked to do, right? So she just holds her hands up and shrugs, and maybe looks a little bit nervous.
0: When uh, Vanguard comes down, his hands are dusty. That was that was very good. Better than I even expected. You're right about the control. We still need to work on that, but this was this was a very good showing. That he's he's honestly just very impressed. Um, he I think he'd expected a different outcome, which is not very confident coming from your mentor, but. He then sort of leads you away. I think that's enough for today. How how are you feeling? Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm feeling all right. You did good. Now uh we'll see you next week for our meeting. For now, go home, get some rest, and um again, keep just keep going. You're you're a hero here. Thank you, Vanguard. And the uh the the, the shot ends with Mystic walking presumably toward home. Uh, which is taking her down some like suburbany streets toward where there's a cemetery in the, the distance. So round two. Okay, so for the second little scene, it's going to be between Kat and her guardian.
3: So the abbot, also known as Lady Glimmer, uh, is currently assuming responsibility for Catherine Slain II, uh, who normally goes by Cat. I will see her in both disguises as Lydia Abbott, she's generally sort of like my de facto guardian assigned by Aegis to look after me. And also as Lady Glimmer, she's sort of mentoring me somewhat in hero work.
0: Okay. Uh, and how long you've been here in this dimension? How long?
3: Uh, one and a half years at this point.
0: Perfect. And where do you guys normally have your meetings? Uh, most of the time will be
3: at the apartment Cat has. Occasionally, it might go to the grocery store. Or of our department store, it, like stuff needs to be picked up.
0: Okay, so we're gonna have this meeting take place in your apartment. You, you're already, she's already come in. She's been coffee, whatever, is, and is sort of, it's like the polite part of this meeting has already happened.
3: Kat tries very hard to be polite.
0: Uh, okay, sorry, let me get into the space of that character. Uh,
3: if you need help, every time Lydia looks at Cat, she sees my mom. And every time I look at, Lydia, I see my mom. So, things aren't great.
0: So, she's here in her mundane outfit. She's a nicely dressed woman. She wears clothes that are really put together. She always looks stylish but never over the top. And she's now sitting with her hands around a coffee cup, not looking at you. Deliberately sort of looking anywhere else. You've done a good job uh decorating this place. Do you need anything? Yeah, your couch looks a little worn. Is it Still serving your purposes? She seems to not know what you say. Like, you've already talked about the business of the month. What else is there to say?
3: Couch is fine.
0: Fine. That That's all. Just fine.
3: Yeah, It it's together.
0: <laughs> Shove the coffee cup away. I was hoping we could have a conversation. You've been here long enough now to be comfortable, haven't you?
3: Cat will scratch up a very ugly scar if it runs across her face. Yeah, I think I'm adapting.
0: I heard that you're getting good grades. Uh how are you liking high school? How, how are you are, are you making friends?
3: Yeah, I mean a couple days in someone tried to bully me, but I broke my nose and there was all that suspension thing for a week.
0: She wants to look shocked, but there's sort of this sense of, eh, that's that's what you gotta do. Uh, yeah, I mean
3: got friends. <laughs>
0: You guys keep speaking at the same time, like you're waiting for the other person to to speak. And when they don't, but eventually she she takes a deep breath. There's something I need to tell you. I have been picking up some dimensional activity on my ENA, which you are aware as a dimensional traveler is for the Elysia Nexa array, which is the little device you use to tell when people are traveling between dimensions. She pulls it out and sets it on the table between you. It's been happening for about a week now. I didn't want to say anything until we were until i was sure but it looks as though someone's interested in drifting between dimensions again do you know anything about this
3: no but it, if she's coming back fine whatever you know i haven't seen her for a year and a half so i assume she's finally tracked me down and is coming to take me back to wherever she's living now
0: but you haven't heard anything no one's contacted you if she wanted to get in
3: contact with me we would know, all right?
0: She lets her head fall into her hands. I understand that it's hard to talk about your mother. I don't really want to even think about her some of the time, but we both have to if she's coming back. You know what that could mean, don't you? She's a bounty hunter or a, a assassin. What is she styling herself as now that
3: She does lots of things.
0: And none of them are very pleasant. And if she's coming, you know there's gonna be a target here, unless it's you. Do you think she wants you back
3: yeah yeah
0: that is not the answer uh, lydia wanted because she thinks she seems to want you to be as abandoned as she has been uh that breakup hit her hard and so her face falls when you say she that your mom wants you back
3: glimmer what do you i ran the fuck away mostly at your assistance of course she's gonna want to take me back it's not like oh hot, oh cat finally ran away Oh, thank God I can go back to my life of interdimensional fuckery. Now she wants like, oh, my dear little calf ran away. Who the fuck kidnapped her? And then, you know, face some death for her ever touched me.
0: She nods. Look, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything until I was sure. And I, I know I'm supposed to be the mature one in this situation. I know all of that, <laughs> but she tries not to react, but I... I you've seen a lot of things in your life and it it's difficult to remember that you're just a kid and then she sort of squares her shoulders but you are just a kid and I shouldn't put this on you. Look, I'm going to leave this here and she she slides the device over to you. If you see any activity will you let me know? Yeah, yeah.
3: I'll if strange stuff starts happening, I'll send you a text or something.
0: She shrugs. That's that's about the best I can expect and she actually gets herself out of the apartment. She knows she hasn't made a good impression, um, but she never makes a good impression. So that leaves you alone with this device that you haven't actually had an interdimensional device in a while. This isn't anything that can make you travel, but it can track portals between dimensions. And it's just kind of sitting there. It's, it's a, very much an echo from the life you used to have. What's your impression on being brought face-to-face with something you thought you'd left behind you?
3: we will try and ignore it. Her curiosity would get better if her and all.
0: It actually sits there for a day, for like a full day. It's just a quiet little box chilling on your table. You go around, do your life things. And then about 24 hours after you get it, you start hearing little pings coming from it. Just little flashing lights, just quiet, still sitting there where you left it, where you haven't touched it. But it does start to beep a little bit in about a day.
3: You pick it up and take a look at it.
0: It's showing so... In your dimensional travel, how much did you get good at reading, like, technology? Where were you in terms of what you did with your mother?
3: Well, for most of her childhood, she didn't really, like, her mother didn't let her touch these things. Catherine Slater first did not want her daughter to accidentally open up a portal to some hell dimension. But when her training got more intense, about when she was 14, that's when she got taught lessons on, like. Here's the trackers, here are like, here are devices to move between dimensions, here are emergency access tunnels to dead dimensions where you can hide if things get hot. These are swords, pole arms, energy weapons, guns.
0: You started seeing the entire armory here. This is, compared to the technology that your mother had, this is very, very basic. This is, it can pick up on things. Uh, you're it's it's almost like dealing with an It's like a Walkman version of a uh, interdimensional device. And all it's showing you is that somewhere in the vicinity, something like within the the, the radius of about a mile, something is happening or might be happening. It's a little weird with the like causality stuff. You got the blips, but it's not sure it's going to happen yet. It's just going to kind of again for another day, it sort of just just pings at you a little bit, you get through this whole weekend of just a little bit of alert. Uh, getting louder and louder and fre- more and more frequent. And finally, by Monday afternoon, it's actually kind of hard to ignore because it's telling you it's there. Something is going to happen. How do you feel about the potential of... So there are other things that can cross dimensions, but you've been here a year and a half and nobody has come in or out of dimension as far as you're aware.
3: My mom's not usually so flashy or sloppy as to be, you know, constantly picked up by whatever this like old ass dimensional traveling devices. Uh, so that means it's probably not her and is worthwhile to investigate. So Kat's going to summon her spear, create her costume.
0: Tell me a little bit about that. Does summoning your spear pull it from another dimension? Is it already in this one? What What is that like?
3: Uh, it just teleports to her. It's not like stashed. It doesn't like go between dimensions. It's purely for...
0: Got it. It's just, it, it comes to you. Perfect. So kid in costume wandering out into the street with a spear. Tell me what you're doing here.
3: All right. So... Kat creates her costume out of force fields and holograms that the spear generates. Uh, she hasn't decided on what exactly she wants her look to be, so it changes quite frequently. The force fields she generates are pretty basic, just like a simple uh, force field covering her chest. She's got some under, like her arms and legs. Uh, and then currently she's selling her holograms so that her face is covered by like a giant uh, emoji giant pink emoji that she uh, changes depending on how she's feeling. And as for styling, she's going for more, she's going for a bit like a uh, Viking look now. She's she's got like some furs, maybe a little like definitely a more sort of like romantic image of a Viking, getting some like horns going on.
0: You climb down, come down the stairs of your apartment complex and sort of head out as I'm picturing like a cyber Viking with a spear walking down the street. Am I close? Yeah. Okay, there's a, a guy out by the pool drinking a beer and he just kind of looks at you. Eh, it's Tuesday. Rancho Paseo, Heroes come here to retire. So that means there's a lot of people out in costume just kind of existing. So you walk down the street and people will will look at you, but no one's even going to say anything because I mean, eh. And that lets you sort of walk through the, the neighborhood a little bit, that the little pinging thing, you can sort of triangulate and track it. You get... I don't know, probably so it's about a mile radius that you're you're exploring. You get a, a, about a half mile away, closer toward where it's going to be. And it seems like this is targeting on one particular area, uh, which is, of course, toward the cemetery area, uh, which is more in the downtown where schools and, and like housing is less and there, there's a school and things like that. As you cross out of like apartments into where the houses are before you get cool and everything, somebody comes running, just barreling out of one of the doors and runs smack into you, just knocks you down. He's kind of babbling about seeing things and he just just seems really, really worked up.
3: Trying not to punch him, trying not to punch him, trying not to punch him.
0: He does actually manage to knock you almost down. You you kind of lose your footing. He does fall and he sort of falls on hands and knees and he's struggling to get himself up. You can see he's maybe 11 or 12 and he's not crying. He looks, he looks frightened. Uh oh. Hi. He's, he looks at you. Are you a superhero? Yes. Yeah. There's a monster in my house and he's too old to believe in monsters under the bed, but he's with conviction there. There there is a monster in my house. So you're a superhero. You're going to go kill it, right? Right.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: yes. Back there and he points and there is a house. Doesn't look like there's a monster in it, but there's a house there that he ran out of. So go kill it. It's going to it's breaking down my house. Your hesitancy seems to be pissing him off. Cat
3: wants to pierce a mask.
0: Go for it. Ah, That's
3: a miss. That's a six.
0: Okay. What you can tell is that, I mean, like I said, this kid is frightened. It's also pretty clear he doesn't actually know what he's running from. So he's using the word monster, but eh, maybe monster. He definitely likes that you're a superhero. All
3: right. Well, Kat's going to extend out her spear and do a short range teleport over to the door. He can side.
0: Yeah, you look in and it's this cute little suburban house. It's got taupe walls and eggshell furniture and beige carpet and a giant hole in the back wall. It doesn't appear anything there, though, except for the, like the gladiola's outside are crushed flat going into the backyard. The kid is staying way back and just kind of watching him.
3: All right, let's teleport to those crushed flowers.
0: Yeah, as soon as you get there, you can actually see now going in a straight line. Actually, the, the direction you were heading, there is a squished footprints. And then a hole in the wall of the house and then a hole in the back wall of the house. It's something has made a straight line the way you're going, doing a lot of squishing as it as it goes. What you can tell is that this thing must have materialized inside the house because there's no hole in the wall coming the other direction.
3: Ah, uh, shit. All right. Let's go track down that, that monster.
0: It isn't particularly difficult to track because it's leaving giant holes. Um, are you walking, running, teleporting? How fast are you moving? Running
3: augmented with teleports.
0: You make it through about four houses before you actually seem to be close to this thing, which means it's moving pretty fast. When you get through the fifth house and are just about... This one has a pool in the backyard. So you get inside the house and it's monster-shaped. I mean, if you sort of squint, what it looks like is like a really blurry, like, like Sasquatch. But if all the edges were... If it had been shaken and blurred and it's sort of... It's walking forward, but it seems to have stopped because there's a pool in this way now. It's just sort of standing there. It looks... Non, it's not threatening anybody. It's just sort of being confused about how to get across. The- Oi! It its head comes up and it looks over its shoulder. Doesn't make any motion move motion toward you, but you can. You know, how in some comics, when things like uh, videos, when things talk, you'll see like a squiggle of an animated squiggle in their in their bubble. It's like that. Like you can actually see it trying to say something, but you can't hear it. It doesn't make any sound you can hear. Hmm. Again, it's not it's not menacing you, but it looks over its shoulder says that visual burst of words or sound or whatever and then turns back and launches itself forward across the pool and when it starts to move it speeds your speed like you get the flash and it's going straight ahead and you see it crashes into the next house and is out of sight almost before you can blink stop come back here stop going through people's houses uh, you do hear from behind you, people are starting to notice that their houses have been crashed through. It doesn't appear that anyone was hurt, but you're starting to hear that, hey, I have insurance for this, you know, you should have taken a minute. And they're just sort of yelling um, as you're you're behind you. Shut up! Who's going to file the report on this? I need your signature.
3: She's teleporting after a of Sasquatch's creature.
0: Again, you're able to catch up with it. This time, it's actually gone all the way through the housing. This is going to be a lot of insurance bills for these poor houses. It's at the edge of the cemetery, and it stops, has stopped again for no reason that you can see, and looks over its shoulder and visually yells at you.
3: Uh, All right, I'm trying real hard not to stab stuff right now. So let's just not go through more
0: stuff. And you just held on. It it stays and it doesn't have visible eyes, but it, its attention goes down to Are you holding the um the device the uh, the E N A or are you is it in a pocket? Where is that?
3: Uh, it's strapped to
0: its attention has clearly been caught by the the, the device, the, the little box with blinky lights. It yells again, and and is attention is all focused on that. All
3: right, hold on, hold on. I f- I've got something in the spear that can help. Uh so she's gonna try and use the spear to just sort of temporarily anchor this thing more into like her dimension. As it seems awesome. to be like between.
0: Yes, that, that's something that's the more you think about it, the more sense that makes. This thing has not fully phased between dimensions. So I actually'm gonna have you roll and your powers for that. <laughs> uh,
3: that's a free.
0: Okay. So are you holding it in your hand and stabbing toward it? Are you throwing it? Tell me what you're doing.
3: Uh, so she plants a spear in the ground and sort of like points it a little at Sasquatch's creature. Lets out like a uh, sort of like a line of energy into a thing. And it's so like stuff flashes up on Cat's uh, eyes from a heads up display as it like tries to uh, draw it more into like the prime dimension.
0: What you see on your display is uh, so with your with your eyes, when you're looking through the display, you see that that blurry, fuzzy creature thing that gets like it's moving even faster, like you'd picture like a, a particle being excited on your heads up display, you see it for a second, start to sharpen and focus. And it's got the shape of a human now, an adult man sized shape. And then for just a second, you see the person that it is and you see what they look like and you have this person standing there and he says, wait, and then he blurs back out again. And this time the, the, the creature in this dimension evaporates entirely, leaving just footprints sunk into the ground right at the edge of the Rancho Paseo c- Cemetery. Oh, and the little, the, your device, it has obviously been going crazy while this is happening. It doesn't completely stop reacting. It, it still is making sounds but they're much quieter now. It's not so blazing.
3: Cat could have dismissed the Viking look she's not really feeling it right now uh, and resumed trying to track down where the source of this is.
0: Yeah, uh, and then what? The, the last shot for you is going to be uh, Kat looking at the device and walking forward into the cemetery. And we'll, we'll end that one there. All right. So this is going to be Quintessential Heroes story. Quint, describe your house. What does it look like? So
5: we have a, a typical, if a little big suburban house. I, th- I think this is actually going to be my uh, my mom's house because they are divorced now. Hope is still living off of idle money. So he actually has a mansion where Syker has a more modest home. And that's where we are uh, going to be meeting.
0: So mom and dad are already there sort of staring at each other awkwardly, but you guys are waiting for your guest of honor. Have you told Quint who's coming to dinner tonight?
3: No. Because no. we know he wouldn't come if he did know.
0: We're going to have you be the one that comes up to the house today. Uh, you're staying with your mom, so it's not like this is somewhere different than you normally would be. But you don't know, actually, that your mom and dad are both going to be there, nor that there's going to be a family dinner. Uh, so you're just coming in from school.
5: Cool. Do I walk into the door and see my dad?
0: Uh, you walk in, everything's fine. When you get into the living room, your dad is sitting awkwardly on the couch, looking very pretty and very relaxed and very, like TV dad, but TV dad that's hot.
5: Um... Dad?
4: Oh, hey, Quint. I'm so glad you're finally here. What's up, kid? How are you?
5: Um... I just got... Back from... I'm not supposed to be with you until next week.
4: Yeah, I know. I'm not here to pick you up for... Your mom and me. Just wanted to talk with you.
3: It's fine. He's over for dinner. Just having a
5: family meeting. Since when did we have family meetings? Since today.
0: At that point, the doorbell rings.
4: Do you want me to go get that? This is your house.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I just got stuff to finish up in the kitchen. So if you grab that, that would be much appreciated.
0: So Psyker, who has never cooked as far as you know in her life, walks into the kitchen and she's wearing an apron, which is very odd. Um, is one of you dying? And Hope walks to the front door. They're all, incidentally, this is not unusual for your family, but they're in full super gear. So you got Psyker in her black leather with a little frilly apron tied uh, over it.
5: Yep, yep. <laughs>
3: I have died and gone to hell.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and Hope walks to the door and opens it with a flourish, and standing on the doorstep is Vanguard, the premier hero of uh, Rancho Paseo. Get his hands on his hips. Good evening.
3: Oh, fuck. Quint, language.
4: Good evening. Come on in. Come on in. Uh, Quince quintessential
0: is already here, so... He strides in, holds out his hand to hope. It's good to see you again. It's been a long time since we've worked together.
4: Yes, he will shake his hand.
0: How is retired life treating you? Ah, well, it's doing pretty well, you know, even if I am retired. We saw you at the 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 governor's benefit the other day, and you looked just fantastic. That suit, really. Who's your tailor? Well, thank you. I always try and look my best. He's listening to the answer, but he's also not listening to the answer, and he turns to to Quint here. This must be the young man in question. Why do we have Vanguard in the house? Well, son,
4: that's why you're here. Why I'm here.
5: Well, I'm here because I'm court-ordered to be here.
0: Well, yes. Oh, no, I'm sure, sure no court-order makes you spend time with your mother? Yeah, on that note, Sager comes back out of it, hearing just at his answer. She comes back out of the kitchen, taking oven mitts off.
3: Now, Quint, me and your father have come to an arrangement. That it's time for you to start taking this harrowing business more seriously.
0: Of course, hearing is one of the most important things that a young person can do.
5: Wait, wait, what? Heroing? I'm not a hero. I've, I've been telling you that for years. Oh. Quint.
0: Oh, of course you're a hero. He does the hand clap as you You look like a hero and I know there's a hero in you somewhere.
5: I do not look like, like like a hero. I specifically dye my hair to not look like a hero.
0: Now, Quintessential,
4: you might say that, but I think you should really give this hero thing,
0: a go. I think you'd be great at it. Vanguard is, is looking a little awkward. Uh But we were here to have dinner, weren't we? Yes.
5: yes. With- oh, God, we're having dinner with Vanguard. Uh.
0: Yes, quintessential.
3: We're all going to sit down and have a nice dinner now.
0: Yes. This house has a, has a dining room. The table has been set. Uh, it's set beautifully. Pretty China. Uh, the food that's on it is pretty obviously Boston Market takeout.
5: <laughs>
0: Love you, Mom. And uh, it comes in and looks, this looks delicious. Tell me what Quint looks like right now. What's he wearing? So
5: Quint is trying to look like a normal average high schooler. He is wearing a like a green button up shirt and khaki pants. He wears glasses. His hair right now is dyed a dark brown. But at the roots, you can see blue uh, poking out of there. It's slicked back with like a gallon of product. But you can tell that... It's trying so hard to stand up and be like your anime protagonist sort of hair.
0: And in contrast to this, you have his mother and his father. His mother is Psyker, who is a very slim woman in a dark midnight blue leather fitted bodysuit. Her hair pulled back into a long braid. Her entire top half of her face is covered by her mask and it covers her head as well. The ponytail comes out of the mask. She has on a frilly polka dot apron over this and uh, oven mitts printed with fried eggs that she is taking off. Her hair is that same midnight blue as her costume. And Quint's father is very, very pretty. He is a J-pop style guy with, uh, actually, what does his mask look like?
5: So his mask is barely there at all. It's just a thin little domino mask that just Covers his eyebrow ridges, and that's about it.
0: He's currently wearing what looks a little bit like a suit, except it's made out of this shimmery teal material, and the shirt underneath it is very flowing. It's very impractical for for actual heroing. God, Dad, you're so extra. And his hair is a pale, pale, pale blue, which, of course, gives you the lovely blue that Quinn's hair is when it's combined. That's what they look like. And then, of course, there's Vanguard, who is very all-American. He strides in and, ah, of course, you, uh, Mr. Mr. Hope, Mr. I guess you're Hope today. Hope, take the front of that head of the table and your lovely ex-wife. I'll sit right here across from your son.
5: No, I have to look at him.
0: Oh, come on. It's not that bad, is it?
5: Everyone loves looking at Hope. It's
3: fine. Fine. (laughs) a nice, quiet dinner.
0: So, you sit yourself down around the table, and Vanguard begins to serve himself. This looks fantastic. I appreciate all the time you put in cooking this for us, Syker. All the time you put into cooking this.
5: Hours slaving over the Boston market menu.
0: Oh, that's not very polite. <laughs> Thank you. He looks even more awkward. Like, like- it's weird to see a square jawed hero cringe. <laughs> He gets busy eating for a little while, leaving you all to talk.
5: Um. So, um.
0: Hi. You've had your powers since you were how old now, Quint?
5: Um. Since I was born, I think.
0: And I've heard you have very uh, substantial biological benefit. I, I've heard that you're your child, your your parents' offspring. Can you? What's made you so excited to be a hero?
5: I'm not.
3: Now, Quint, he goes quiet. You discussed this. Come on. You're going
5: to be a hero, right? No, you guys have discussed it. I have discussed not being a hero.
4: Come on, Quint. What is the worst that could happen if you try this out? Why are you so against being a hero?
5: Everyone starts looking at me and waiting for me to save the day. I just want to be
0: a kid. You're a young man, not a kid. I'm still technically a minor. Vanguard frowns a little bit. Uh, Of course, but like with a family business, we expect our our children to be active. If if you worked on a farm, if your parents owned a farm, you would be out there milking the cows and planting the tomatoes. Your parents are heroes. So you're going to plant the metaphoric tomatoes.
5: I am not going to plant your tomatoes, Vanguard.
0: Quince! He's been taking a sip of water and he coughs, sets it down. It sounds like you have some reservations about heroism. Why don't you... He he switched his mode. He was, like, hands-on-the-hips hero. Now he's doing sort of camp counselor. Why don't you tell me about your feelings about being a a hero?
5: Ugh. Why are you... I get enough of this from my parents. I don't really need... You here, trying to tell me what to do, too.
0: I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I, look, have you heard of sidekicks?
5: Yeah, they're the little boys in tights that run around with the superheroes.
0: No, those are our sidekicks. We're talking about the sidekicks program for young heroes.
5: Uh, okay, I, I've heard of it. I've also laughed at it quite a lot. Quint!
0: Oh, we don't make them wear the uniforms anymore. The, t- the shorts aren't nearly as small. Well, that's good. He's, uh, Vanguard is looking back and forth between Hope and Psyker, like, are you guys gonna back me up here?
3: Now, Quint, you're a young man now. Your powers are starting to mature. It's time for you to go into a program to learn to use them responsibly
5: and come into a family business. Yes. I can use my powers just fine. I've been throwing psychic darts at Whiskers since I was five.
4: Yes, but now you're at an age to finally use those powers to do good, Clint. You know, when we were your age, we also, you know, started heroing. It's time for you to do something with your powers.
0: Excuse me, did you say you were throwing psychic darts at the family pets? Sort of pet? uh... I would not call him a pet.
5: My dad's old sidekick, Whiskers.
0: Oh, you mean... Principal Whiskers, the, the, you do know he's the principal of your high school now.
5: Yes, and I have not thrown darts at him since last week.
0: Quint. Wonderful, that's, that's a fast improvement. Uh, he, um, again, takes another sip of water. I understand that it's a difficult time in a young man's life when you have to choose to go forward and become an adult. But if it's any advantage, we have uh, my other mentee. I think you've, you've met her. She's about your age, very attractive, pink and blue costume, nice hair. She, she's been training with me for, for about six months now, and she's, I, I'm i am sure you have a lot in common.
5: I didn't realize that you were, you know, superhero tinder these days. Quint!
0: Quint, essential! Don't say those things to Vanguard.
5: Oh. Fine, superhero grinder, if that's what you're into.
0: Oh, don't worry. And he's too young to have access to our actual super speed dating. No, it's it's fine. I understand kids are like this.
3: Quint, me and your father have put in a lot of time and effort to arrange your entry into this program and for Vanguard to graciously oversee your training. Yes. Now, you are going to become a future superhero, whether you like it or not.
5: Definitely not. Definitely not.
0: Come on. Oh, Syker, I understand. He's been eating this. He's the only one that's been eating. I do understand that sometimes it's hard. Kids don't want their parents telling them what to do. So why don't I take this young man out for a, a little fight around the neighborhood, and we'll we'll really talk, man to man, if that's all right with you? Of course, of course. Uh, yes,
3: I do believe that would be a eye opening experience for Quint.
0: Wonderful. So he he sets down his fork, and thank you again for the the fantastic meal. He doesn't actually, he just kind of takes you by the arm gently. Got the, the, the shoulder, hero shoulder grip, leads you outside and then takes off into the air, holding you.
5: Oh, fuck.
0: Gets this side of you from you. That's the last scene. It, it ends on the shot of the two of his parents sitting at the table, just looking daggers at each other. Now, Quint, you are in the very muscular, not at all creepy arms. like <laughs> not creepy anyway <laughs> you're held by by the hero of the city vanguard you've actually known vanguard before he's kind of a family friend they had a bit of a falling out when your parents retired and he went on to be more and more popular you're very high up and very cold
5: i think quint is just rolling with it this is probably not his first time in the air by uh, some other hero so if i were to kind of just wiggle out of your arms how long would it take you to catch me
0: Ah, probably 3.2 seconds, depending at this height with the wind speed. 3.4 seconds, I think. Why?
5: Like, looks at his watch, and then he... I'm going to try and wiggle out of his arms.
0: Yeah, you know, roll some dice. Um, directly engage? <laughs> hey,
5: look at that. That is a 10, a full
0: hit. Wonderful. So you get two of those options. The options being resist or avoid their blows, take something from them, create an opportunity, impress, surprise, or frighten. I want to take his
5: confidence so I'm going to fall and I'm going to, using like perfect skydiving form, go fast down. Um, and I'm going to throw some psychic weapons in his general direction, purposefully not hitting him, but just trying to slow him down.
0: So, so the camera for this is going looking straight up with Quint falling straight toward it, doing these like acrobatics in the air. Very obviously a protagonist move. His head hair is doing protagonist things. And he's throwing the darts. And you can see from above Vanguard, there's just this bright orange flash streaking between them. And he, just as the camera hits into Quint's back, Vanguard grabs him, looks at his watch. 3.8 seconds, damn it. Off my game. Doesn't seem like shaken because he's a hero, but that's definitely, that's, that was, I can't believe I miscalculated that badly. Yeah, I mean,
5: I think you might be getting old. You might want to retire.
0: I, no, uh, I just take, I'm taking a step back. I'm not retiring. Who told you I was retiring?
5: I'm just saying that, you know, with, with moves that slow, you might want to look into it.
0: He sort of, I I don't think that'll be a concern. Now then, about you becoming a hero. I didn't want to say this in front of your parents, but I need your help.
5: You need my help.
0: Yes. You're. You're young. You know what the kids are doing these days. And much as I hate to admit it, I'm not in touch with the pulse of the young people these days. They don't like... This. they like people like your father. Fancy
5: people. They like, you know, K-pop stars.
0: Uh, yes. K.
5: I mean, my, my dad has uh, this great agent.
0: No, I, I, I'm sorry. He does seem a little flustered. Um, how good's your dancing? No, you don't understand. I've become... The sidekicks program needed help. I stepped back in, but I don't know how to connect anymore. I can't, you can't just put your hand on someone's shoulder and look at them earnestly and have them want to follow in your footsteps anymore. People like you, they need something else. Instagram or Snapchat? She wants to Snapchat me. What is a Snapchat? Um. I I need your help. I've, I've been working with my mentee for six months now and I, she's gotten very good at her heroics, but I don't feel like we're connecting. I want you to help me connect with her.
5: So you want to set me up with your mentee?
0: Yes, I would like. you, if you want to date, that's completely acceptable off the clock. I want you to help me help her.
5: So how much does a gig like this pay?
0: Oh, it usually costs about $1,000 a month, but I'm waiving the fee for your parents because they are old family friends.
5: No, no, you, you misunderstand me. How much are you going to pay me to do this?
0: He blinks and baubles in the air. You're a hero. Heroes don't get paid.
5: I've been telling you this whole time. I'm not a hero.
0: There's a, a close-up of Vanguard's sort of quirked eyebrow over his mask. How much are you charging? You said it was a thousand a
5: month. That sounds about right.
0: Do you take what? What's the game? Minecraft money?
5: No, but I do take American Express.
0: Deal. And he, um, there, there's sort of a weird, like half smile on his face, and he comes back down to the ground and sets you down. Look, here's your first payment. Now he gives you a twenty-dollar bill. It's, $20. That should be enough to get a, a cab ride home. And he takes back off, leaving you standing at the uh, gates of the S- Rancho Paseo Cemetery. Seriously? And the last shot is Quint looking up at the sky and Vanguard's little <laughs> f- fly away thing happening. So for feedback, uh, we're going to be doing an interview with um, a a YouTube gossip blogger. So this opens with a hand, a video that's clearly being filmed with the reverse camera of the phone held out at arm's length as the speaker is walking somewhere. She, she waits, looks, adjusts her hair. Hey, everybody. Welcome to That's Lit with Julia Lit. Today, we're going to be speaking to one of the new heroes of the city. You want to come with me and find out who we're talking to? And she, no, oh, that's terrible. That's too cliche. Try this again. Okay. Hi, I'm Julia Lit. Welcome to That's Lit with Julia Lit. Today we're talking to Feedback, one of our new heroes of the city. That still sounds terrible. Okay. The, the, the screen takes you up to where Feedback is sort of standing. Where are, Where is she meeting you? You're gonna be going on a walk for this. This is a walk and talk.
1: They're just kind of walking through like, like a local park, I guess.
0: Nice. So she comes up to you. You're sitting at uh, one of the fountains Hey, we're glad to get to talk to you today. And she turns the camera and points it at you. Why don't you introduce yourself?
1: So uh, feedback, he's wearing this leather jacket over a black tank top. It's got these LEDs down the sleeves that are kind of pulsing this faint purple. These LEDs are also in these goggles he's got currently on his forehead and like a face mask that covers his nose and mouth. And they sort of are just kind of like idly pulsing right now. So he's just like, oh, hi. Uh, yeah, my name's Feedback. You uh, you might have seen me on TV recently. I uh, kind of caused a bit of a ruckus. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, let's talk about that, actually.
0: That's a great place to start. She sort of leads you. The, the camera's now pointing at the two of you uh, as you're walking. So you're a hero, right?
1: I- I, I guess technically, I, I kind of have to be by default. I did, you know, punch a supervillain in the face.
0: You did. Why don't you tell us about that? What was it like to tackle evil head on, fist on?
1: Ugh, do you want me to be honest or give you the badass answer? Because I can do both.
0: I want you to tell us the truth. This is This is the news, after all.
1: All right. Um, it was one of the scariest fucking moments of my life. I just, it felt like this epiphany hit me, where I realized if I. If I didn't actually step up and do something, there were lives on the line and I had to, I had to do something about it, man.
0: So in the screen for the viewers, little stickers are popping up and saying, really, does he really believe that? Are we, are we following with this? As you're talking. And then she uh, comes in. Um, So you had to step up and, and do something. What, what made you want to step up? What are, you, what are you stepping away from? Well,
1: uh, as um some folks at home might know, I uh, <laughs> have a, a bit of a bad reputation.
0: You were rated number four on uh, BuzzFeed's up-and-coming Villains of the Year. Number four.
1: Yeah, number four. Uh, I, was, I was probably going to make it up to two by the end of the month if this uh, hadn't gone down the way it did.
0: But you're not even on the list of 100 most prominent up-and-coming superheroes. How do you feel about that? Eh, I mean, that's
1: not why I'm doing it, you know? It's- oh, you're doing it for the people. Look, I had I played the the whole fame game. You 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 saw.
0: Uh, you you tried. You had some followers.
1: Yeah. He just kind of scratches the back of his head for a second and hides the grimace behind his mask as he's like, "Oh, I'm about ready to just break her phone." He's like, "Yeah, no, but I just I used to want to have an image, you know. And right now I'm just kind of realizing there's things more important going on you know
0: you're just a total everyday average person and the camera pans up and down your sparkly costume just just trying to get by right
1: look i haven't changed up the look yet i i had a reputation to keep that's why i had the whole flashy outfit thing i i had dj spots
0: and nightclubs for god's sake i was rad as hell you really we the the flyer one of your dj flyers comes is shown on the screen yeah we we you were great actually your music was fantastic it's the villain thing. It's a lot less fun when you're killing people on the dance floor.
1: I never killed anyone. That's actually why I turned, is because people are going to die.
0: Speaking about that, you've never killed anyone. What about the people that you're close to? We here, we of course, being the people of the internet interested in the hero fandom, hear that you still have a relationship with Isaac Emerald. You want to talk to us about that?
1: What, Isaac? I... Isaac Emerald. I am. Um, I mean, yeah, we we used to go back. I uh, haven't really talked to him in a while, you know, given the whole changing sides thing. I don't think he'd take too kindly, but uh, no, he's uh, he was my inspiration back in the day. He's
0: so you took your inspiration from a villain, and I, I, I'm afraid it, the pronunciation is, is suck Obviously,
1: it, it's Isaac. It's just he spells it weird because he's a snob.
0: That that's kind of racist.
1: What that he says that he
0: pronounces his name that way think uh, never mind uh so but he, villains uh you're, you're taking your your guidance from a villain
1: i used to like i said he was he was a friend he kind of saw something in me and wanted to teach me to be as he called it the gentleman villain obviously i'm not super gentlemanly but
0: well i wasn't gonna say it but you did so it's okay no you're not gentlemanly at all now uh tell me a little more about your powers what do you, what do you do to help people
1: all right, now I just kind of step up where I'm needed. I like earlier this evening, uh, there was, you know, I'm I'm sure it's gonna be on the news later. I I don't know if I'm gonna be, but uh, there was a guy causing a ruckus downtown, uh, overturning cars, and uh, he's, he holds his hands and these um, the air in his palm seems to start rippling, and like there's this pulse down the sleeves of his jacket as like there's a sound kind of like a synthesizer wailing in the air for a second, and he's like, you know. Noise dilution happened.
0: So for the first time, Julia gives an actual fairly authentic smile, acknowledging your clever wordplay. She gives you a little bit of a nod. So you stopped and actually we saw that. That's one of the reasons we wanted to interview you. We'd, we'd heard about you before, but seeing you in action, it, it really was pretty impressive. So what made you decide to be a hero? You guys continue to walk and you're moving out of the park and sort of into the neighborhood a little bit. Well, there was
1: there this villain, uh, freak show who uh you know you may have seen him on tv he's the he was the guy with the clown makeup and the top hat and the circus uh ring master coat uh he invited me on a job and um I obviously had the chance. I mean, this is the big time I wanted to get into the big game. But then I realized that job involved stealing what could arguably be described as a chemical weapon and thousands of people were going to die. And when I was like, hey, buddy, this could get a lot of people hurt if we're not careful. And he looked at me and said, yeah, that's the idea.
0: Uh, Little sad face emojis are popping up on the screen.
1: I, I had to make a choice. I had to, I had to make a choice and I couldn't let that many people die. I I never went out to this trying to be a hero. I just realized someone had to do something and I was there.
0: She's frowning a little and then sort of shakes her head and blinks. So you were in the villain game just for the views, just for popularity. That's it?
1: All right. Listen, now I was a villain because, look, you you, you look on TV, you see, you see all the villains in the movies and all shit, and they're the bad boys. Everyone loves fucking Darth Vader. He's rad as hell. You know those Marvel movies? That Loki guy? Everyone loves that son of a bitch. I... You know, everyone loves the sexy bad boy. And I wanted a piece of the pie, I'm ashamed to say.
0: That makes sense to me. I mean, sexy bad boys are all the rage, always. But shouldn't there be a little more to life than being popular? And as she says that her counter, her her view counter keeps ticking up. And there's little hearts around her view counter. Shouldn't, shouldn't you want to do something powerful? Speak to the people. And at this point, he looks into
1: the camera. He's like, I mean, I guess so. That's If there's anything I can be doing right now, It's I'm just trying to show people that what the life I was living wasn't the best one I look I'm gonna I'm gonna be straight with you. I I have a, a guy I met a friend a superhero and he he told me that the life I was living I mean it was he said it, I I was almost an adult he could respect my choices I'm, I'm not an adult yet I'm I'm still basically a kid and he said I had time to make these choices and that I could decide if I wanted to keep on living for myself or if I could use these gifts I have to uh to actually make a difference and help people. And I was like, it ah, sounds like some shit Vanguard would say. And then I was put in a situation where I had to make that choice. So.
0: So you think you're making a difference? You're really making a difference?
1: I'm trying to at least. It's all I can do.
0: As you've been having this conversation, you've been kind of walking through the the, the city. And because this is the kind of thing this is, you are at the gates of the cemetery and she actually walks you in. Let me, let me talk to you, show you something that's about making a difference. And she turns the camera and pans onto a gravestone and there's a statue of a like a just sort of a, a figure like in a big long robe with a big hood and he's the gentleman or the, the statue has his hands cupped and there's a glowing ball of light like magic light in his hands. that's still in the statue. She pans down and the the gravestone reads Thaumaturge, a true hero. This is a hero. This is one of our golden age heroes who gave his life. She pans back to you. Are you willing to die for being a hero?
1: If it happens, it happens, I guess. It's not the plan, obviously, but if it comes down to me or a bunch of other people, I guess that's the choice I'll have to make when I get there.
0: That you die rather than kill a lot of people, or that you die to save a lot of people? The
1: latter. I think you know what
0: I meant. She turns it back to her. Well, that you heard it straight from the horse's mouth. Feedback would rather die than see people hurt. And that's all we have for today. Thanks for watching. That's late with Julia lit. Please like, subscribe and share. And She clicks it off and looks at you. Oh, that was great. Come uh, if you If you want to like sign into the comments, they're going to be totally back and forth. You do talk to your fans, right? I, uh, I think we're done. Fair enough. But there's going to be lots of buzz about you. I mean, I have thousands of subscribers. Everyone's going to know your name. And she turns and walks off. How, how, how are you standing? What do you look like standing in front of Thaumaturge's grave here?
1: I mean, I would probably heard of this guy. So I just kind of look at it and I'm just like.
0: You have actually heard of Thaumaturge is uh, he was a sort of right at the cusp of Gold and Silver Age. And he was prominent, very famous mag- uh, magic user who died saving a train full of civilians and has, has been dead for quite some time, but went out a, just an exploding,
1: powerful hero. He just kind of looks at it for a second, pulls off the goggles and the mask, makes sure no one's around to look at him and just kind of glitz out a sigh. And then texts his sister. Hey, interview's done. Was probably total bullshit.
0: The camera fades to black on the screen of the phone with the text messages. So with this one, Phantom's going to be doing the uh, run through the city all cloaked. So what, what are you what are you hoping to do today, Phantom? What are you what are you like? You're just out being creepy and watching people. What are you doing?
4: Ah, uh, well, Phantom doesn't really interact with people a lot since they came here. So they mostly stick to like roofs and alleyways and they do people watch. They like to watch the people of the dimensions they enter into to get a good idea of like what's going on, like
0: the culture of the place. So how long have you been in this dimension? They have been here for about six months. Okay. So and you've got, you said you have a cloaking device and an antigrav pack? Yes, I have an antigrav pack and a cloaking device. So you are currently invisible going through this, this, you're starting in sort of a downtown area, which is like, not like downtown, like a city downtown. Um, it's like a circle with some shops, or like a roundabout with some shops around it, some coffee shops, Starbucks, stuff like that. Um, you're going to start out there. You actually can't in the city go really rooftop to rooftop because they're too far apart. Are you guys familiar with like the way suburban Southern California looks at all? Okay, I'm gonna take that as a no. The the really far apart, you cannot really jump from roof to roof. Um, you've got lots and lots of space. This is not a city where you can do like the the runaround thing. Um, you would have to climb down. Phantom
4: does not jump. Phantom has an anti-graph pack. Phantom floats a lot. I love it.
0: You could actually, you are the one that could go from roof to roof. You jump off yes. the Starbucks, buzz ahead, get some coffee. Exactly. So you're doing that. So you notice something as you're doing this that's very different from your home dimension. What do you see and why is it different from where you were? I think something
4: that Phantom sees as very different from the home world because the home world that they originally came from kind of experienced global warming, like the big like, like impact of it much earlier on so because the world almost got destroyed they've become much more ecologically advanced so fandom very thrown off by how how there's so much trash and stuff like they're watching as someone's like bringing out like bags of trash and just like kind of throwing them on the side of the uh street and
0: just not really caring yeah, you're You're actually you watch someone from one of the this little diner, well, not even a diner, it's now a hip farm to table bistro or something. I, I don't know. It's California, whatever. They're taking out these bags of trash. And there's a sign on the front of the building that says a low waste, fully recyclable vegan cafe, and they're still throwing out bags of trash. So that lets you keep going a little further, you get out of the downtown area, into sort of a strip mall. It's after school now, and you see parents or kids or parents and kids together. How are these kids different than kids in your dimension?
4: In Phantom's dimension, fan, uh, kids are usually left to their own devices. They not too early, but like they usually get to do whatever they want. Their parents allow them to just explore whatever. Like there's not really like schools in Phantom's own dimension. Like kids are allowed to explore whatever they wants and their parents are there to help guide them, but they're not as involved in their lives.
0: So you're seeing this mom with a, a minivan with kids and a, one in a soccer uniform, a ballet costume, dropping her kids off at all of these lessons and being like, okay, after this, we'll pick you up from ballet and we'll take you over to soccer. And after soccer, you're going to Lexi's for a sleepover, right? And the kids are nodding. That, that seemed very scripted so you get a little further and at the, there's a you're just on top of or getting ready to go on top of this corner store when you hear some commotion coming from inside so Siobhan was going to be our, our store clerk and Matthew's going to be the villain who is holding this this store up. So set the stage for me. What does, Siobhan, what does your uh, store look like?
2: Okay, so it's, you know, your typical convenience store. I, I mean, I guess picture like a 7-Eleven. There's like rows of snack foods and stuff. There's like a kind of gross looking counter that has the adult items behind it, like cigarettes and stuff like that. And this cashier is standing back there being like, you You don't have to do this, you know there's another way, and then who so she's being menaced
0: by someone tell me tell me who's menacing her.
3: Menacing this cashier is a man in sort of uh rundown holy clothes. probably should have been thrown out and changed a couple of months ago. He's wearing his cheap dollar store wolf mask. One of his arms is a little like larger hairier and has like curved claws. And in his other hand, he has a Nerf gun painted to look like a actual gun.
0: Okay, so go for it.
3: Uh, he's uh, gesturing with his claw and Nerf gun, and has thrown a bag that has a hastily stitched dollar sign on it onto the onto the counter. It's just like, come on, man, just like put the money in, into into the bag, man. Like, it's not
2: that hard. I guess. This cashier is going to be like, I mean, it's not my
0: you got held up last week by a real villain. So this is kind of a step down, but he is still scary.
2: I think she's just going to be like, uh, I mean, I don't own the store. So what's the skin off my back if I just open up the cash register?
0: So as she pulls out the drawer, Phantom, you can see down in, you can't hear any of this conversation. What you're seeing is the cashier open the drawer of the till and the possibly wolf related villain waving a claw at her. You can see that down through the window. What are you going to do?
4: Phantom does not like watching crimes just happen in front of their eyes. So they're going to still invisible float down and come into this convenience store. So you
0: float in and are just inside the door. Um, what what what's going on with the 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 robbery here?
2: So I think that the cashier is gonna is start like slowly opening up each each flip for each little section of the ca- different size cash bills and like start like gently placing them into the bag.
0: When you're watching this happen, Phantom, come on, man! Like, does not have to be that slow? Like, faster!
3: And he'll he'll wave the uh, Nerf gun at her. It's very poorly painted, by the way. It's like you can instantly tell it's like, oh, dear God, they even forgot to like paint the orange bit at the end of the barrel.
2: Oh, I think the cashier's just going to say as they, they do this, like, you know, you might be more menacing if you just relied on the claws and not the, the plastic toy gun.
4: What? No, it's totally a real gun, man. Phantom's going to come up behind this guy and slowly just pull, start pulling the mask off of his head. And get real close and whisper, you know, I don't think this
0: is a good idea.
2: Is Phantom still invisible in this moment, or?
0: Yes. So only the only direwolf here can hear that.
3: Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus. I know I shouldn't be doing this.
0: So the cashier sees the mask start to lift and he starts hearing the praying happening. I'm trying to pray. Apologies? That's the I need of money, man. Meth doesn't buy itself.
4: I'm no, Jesus. Can't you tell what I am?
3: Mohammed.
2: The cashier is just like makes a face, but is now dropping the quarters into the bag.
0: You've currently put like $37.80 in the bag. It's all the money in the till. Here, why don't I show you? And I'm going to put, I'm going to drop
4: the mask on the floor and link my arms under him and start... Floating us both up into the air. Oh, come on, man. Just at least get a bag of money. I don't think so, because
0: I'm not God. Buddha? A ghost, you idiot. That's loud enough for the cashier to hear. So the, the cashier hears out of space, I'm a ghost, you idiot.
2: Uh, you know, this holdup is getting more and more intimidating as it goes on. And she pushes the bag full of all the coins and dollar bills from the cash register closer to the dire wolf.
0: There's no ghosts and convenience stores, man. So, Phantom, what do you... You have a captive villain. What do you do with him? You know... I hate to do this to you, but I
4: think you look like you're in some need of a bath. So I'm going to take him
0: out of this. I'm just going to take him out of the store. So it would be very convenient to fly him to, uh, because this is the way the comics work, the Rancho Paseo Cemetery, where there's a very large fountain. Yes. And I'm going to dump him in there. So you, you get high enough that you're not getting super stared at, take him across the city, and drop him in the fountain, which is just deep enough that he won't break his legs when he falls. Bye-bye! Baby, think about your life of crime from a friendly ghost. (laughs) So the camera pulls away from the very confused-looking robber, probably meth addict, uh, in a fountain, and goes back up to the space where Phantom would be. You're, You're still traveling across the cemetery, but as you're moving, it you, you kind of dawns on you where you actually are. Um, how do you feel being so close to where your kind of one friend was, was buried here? I think
4: as Phantom gets closer, their face from like being like all playful and uh, giggly kind of turns sorrowful and upset. I still haven't really come to full terms with Ollie's death.
0: Okay, uh, so... Are you going to make yourself visible at this point? Uh, you're, 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 yeah. so you're at the point where you can land by his grave. Yeah. What do you look like standing by this guy's grave?
4: Phantom pulls their hood down, and you can see a young half Thai person. Phantoms pretty tall; they're about five ten. Their face is fairly androgynous looking, and there's just freckles just covering like, almost the entire surface of their face, they have a lot. They have bright yellow eyes and messy blue, like, light blue hair that falls to their chin. There are streaks of, like, lavender and a lighter shade of blue in it, but it's mostly just that light blue color. Phantom is wearing this large black cloak. There is a hood that's pulled down. And it falls to about their knees, so most of their body is covered. Underneath, they're wearing a dark blue tunic. And there's a belt over it with little pockets and then black pants and black boots. The material of the clothes definitely doesn't look quite normal. It doesn't look quite like it was made with any materials from this dimension. But it's hard to say exactly what else it would be.
0: So this person who looked at by themselves looks totally normal. But when you look at phantom in conjunction with anything in this dimension, they're just a little off. It's like you almost can't quite focus on them. So it's very, if they're up in the sky, phantom's fine. But if they're on the ground by other things, it's just a little wrong and uncomfortable. That person is standing by a gravestone. um, And the camera takes a minute to zoom in on the gravestone and it's, It reads Oliver Adler, a devoted son, and then has the birth and death dates. Uh, How old was he? Was he 16 when he died? He was 19 when he died. 19. So it has uh, the birth dates for 19 years, and the death date is just about four or five months uh, previous. So it's very, very recent. There are no flowers on this grave, but it's super highly polished marble, almost metallic looking stone. The camera lingers for a minute on Phantom standing there. Then it pulls back a little and about three graves over is that statue with the cupped hands and the the flamey magic orb. So it pulls back to that and you see Feedback standing by the statue. Pull back a little more and two graves the other way is where Qu- Quint got left. He was at the door, but he had walked in. So you see now there's those three heroes all in a row. And then Mystic had been walked there with Vanguard, and she has actually continued to walk toward where her grandfather's grave is. So the three of them are in a row. Mystic is walking toward you, and you all see each other at about the same time.
1: All right, first things first, mask goes back on.
0: Okay, so now Quint is masked, Feedback is masked, and Phantom, I'm assuming, has a mask on. Oh no, Phantom doesn't wear a mask. Phantom, when they go invisible, they have a hood up, but when... They have the hood put drop. The three of you from this dimension see this off person. And you also, you do recognize, uh, you don't recognize each other from school because you're all in masks. You recognize each other. Quint and uh, Mystic have seen each other before because even before they were getting teamed up like this, they actually had recognized each other. Uh, feedback's been on the, the, has been broadcast. So people know about him. So you are all aware of one another. They're not per- personally acquainted.
1: Uh, hey, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but I- I'm not a villain anymore. So, uh, If you could not punch me, that'd be rad.
0: I don't know who you are.
1: Oh, you don't? Awesome. Cool.
5: You guys don't look quite goth enough to be having a party here.
0: So there's a bit of awkward conversation, and you all sort of drift together, sort of in between, since uh, Ollie's grave was in the center, you've all kind of drifted toward there. At that point, as you're all close together, Kat comes kind of beelining toward you, uh, so you see did you describe Kat yet? Not yet. You did, She was, but you, for now. How does she look now? She's holding that device and looking down at it. Describe how she looks right now.
3: Uh, so Kat's fairly tall, probably like around like uh, six foot two and built like an MMA fighter. Just right now she's wearing sort of loose fitting black pants and a black t-shirt uh, and obviously got like uh, force fields in the shape of a uh, plate mail. Uh, covering her chest and some of her arms and legs. And she's got a scarf wrapped around the lower part of her face, but doesn't have any holograms up right now, as she wasn't expecting anyone to be here. There's a very ugly scar running from her nose down under her left eye and disappearing under the scarf.
0: You've been fairly focused on... Tracking this thing, the first the thing, and now this the 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 readings. So it takes a minute. You're actually almost on top of the people before you uh, notice them, and you you all the four of you see cat sort of motoring toward you. Cat?
3: Yeah, cat and Phantom know each other. Cat will suddenly stop and put on a uh, neutral expression emoji over her face.
0: (laughs) Phantom gives a little wave like hey. Uh... While all five of you are exchanging confused looks about why you're all conveniently in the same place at the same time, you are very suddenly surrounded in a sphere of rippling blue light just out of nowhere you're you're surrounded in it, and you can see through the light looking up into the sky, a tall man is coming down on some sort of hovery pad that he's standing on looking at something in his hand and he seems to be talking verbosely
5: oh
1: fuck oh jesus fucking christ opens up his palms um yes, sound, so- um little pul- little spheres of sound start pulsing in his hand he's like oh jesus this is not what i had planned for tonight i've already done this tango once <laughs>
0: The the sphere of blue light has ripples in it. It looks like sound waves in a circle almost. Uh, The man gets closer and closer. And as he gets closer, actually, Phantom would recognize him. This is Trevor Adler, who is the father of Phantom's erstwhile traveler friend who is dead at the grave you're basically standing on right now. Uh, But the rest of you recognize him because he is the founder and CEO of Supra Systems which is one of the most powerful tech companies in the Silicon Valley. You guys see him on TV and his ads playing his new phone or whatever's the hip tech. Except right now, he is not that measured, controlled inventor that you recognize from TV. Right now, his face is just distorted and angry. And Kat, your little device is going insane right now.
2: With this, I think uh, Judy is going to charge her burn, so she's going to start glowing. I think this time she's glowing over her whole body because she doesn't know what's happening. Are any of you other uh, powering? I'm not going to have you roll. We're going to have some hand-wavy magic
0: to end the session. But normally you'd roll. But the glowing is, yeah, you've got a glowing person. Is anybody else charging up their power?
3: Uh, Kat's going to extend her spear to its full length.
1: Feedback's got, um, it sounds almost like a, dubstep screech in his palms, kind of growing in volume. And he's just glaring up. He's like, Hey, you mind
5: cutting out the light show? You have places to be, asshole. Quint has his hands in his pockets and he is trying to find a way out.
4: Well, Phantom doesn't actually have any powers, but there is this like, they're like physically shaking with like anger
0: when they see him. So you guys have all managed to back up into a circle facing outward with all your backs together. And as the the glowing blue gets further, it gets more and more dramatic. The circle itself is shrinking, the part you're in, because the, the waves that are making up the walls of the circle are getting wider and wider. You can hear over this, it isn't even a sound, it's like the absence of a sound, like it should sound like something, but it doesn't. But you can hear over that, Mr. Adler, Trevor Adler, talking. He, he's, if you had just come back like you were supposed to, if you had been a good research subject and cared. The, the, the scientific worth we could find. If you'd come back here, instead of gone and playing around, I wouldn't have to do this now. He seems completely oblivious to Eddie. The ureys are even there. Um, the, the thing he's holding in his hand is glowing and like shooting off little sparks.
1: All right. Um. How dare you? Oh, so he sucks? Cool. And I'm going to unleash it, a sonic blast at him.
0: You release your attacks. All at once, it happens that they just come together into this combined sound and light and magic that flies out of the circle, tries to, hits the wall of the circle, diffuses around, ends up sort of like hands that scoop around Trevor Adler, pulling him in toward all of you. And the last thing you all see before everything goes very bright and then very dark is this square device box spiraling toward you guys turning end over end, and then everything goes bright and everything goes black. You have that slow wake up, like when your eyes are blinking and you're waking up, and all of you are looking straight up at the sky where there is a a Zeppelin that says on the side of it, Toyota Zeppelin Company, above you in in the sky.
1: I didn't know they made those. Oh my god. Oh no, we're back here.
0: Oh, we traveled.
1: We what? Nothing.
0: You hear the sound of a siren uh, in the background and then over a loudspeaker. Citizens, this is Aegis Command. We are demanding your identification. Please stand up and produce your ID cards and no criminal charges will be filed. Oh, this is a bad place. And the very last panel of the comic is that box that you saw spiral out uh, out of Adler's hands laying half propped up half on its back in the grass and lights blinking on it very slowly and there's a little readout that says dimensional drift achieved dimension 47783 thanks for listening in this timeline, Junie, Mystic Harroway, the Nova, is played by Siobhan. She can be found on Twitter at at SpellboundMage. Quintessential Hero, the Delinquent, is played by Eric, who is also our fearless editor. He can be found on Twitter as at PrimeFactorX01, or as the voice of Silk the Fae in the Shadows of St. Fleur podcast. Phantom, the Nomad, is played by Charlie. She so he can be found on Twitter as at Magical underscore Pride, or on Sir Podcast as at PrePodEngage. Cat, Hector the II, the Scion, is played by Matthew. Aaron Feedback Riley, the Reformed, is played by Tom. He can be found on Twitter as at Albion Graves or on his podcast as at GMM Cast. Rainy Wood Rose Sunrise, the star, is played by M. He can be found on Twitter as at Mechity Mech. And I'm Lee, your narrator and dimensional tour guide. I can be found on Twitter as at The Law of Names. Otherware is produced by Law of Names Games. Our other projects can be found at lawofnames.com. It's played in Masks, A New Generation by Brendan Conway from Magpie Games, at Magpie Official on Twitter. Our theme music is composed by Michael Freitag on Twitter as at Admiral Amara. The actions and opinions presented here belong to the individuals from this dimension only and are not representative of any other selves known or unknown. Otherware is not responsible for any side effect drifting produced by listening to this podcast. Next time on Otherware.
4: I don't know how much experience you have with the concept of
5: dimensions.
1: Well, I know there's more than three. Nice gimmick infringement, asshole.
5: Am I terrifying? Am I weird? Are you trying to get us killed?
4: I think I would stand out in your dimension.
1: A little bit, yeah.
4: It's so strange that you don't have blue hair or yellow eyes. Quinn, you're a
1: natural blue, aren't you? If I'm blowing up Nazi robots, I'm down. Yeah, go pick yourself
3: up. Looking very angry. She's gonna try something really dumb again.
1: I, uh, I might need you to hold me.
2: Where even are we? No, we're good.